Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tungling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and ebook formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. And I've given you sort of a, a summary sheet, and I believe that you've been having some good uh, teaching on this by Dr. Hong Sing. Is that right? Oh, thank you again for that underwhelming response. Okay, so uh, chapters two and three, we're going to sort of try and, and touch a few of the high spots. So, hope everybody's happy. This is the picture that was out of uh, Larkin's book, actually. So, Christ, as a great high priest, clothed in his garments of glowing beauty, standing in the midst. That's his position, Christ in the midst, where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst, or right in the middle of them. So he's right in the middle here, and ministering to each of these seven local churches. And uh, I'll say this here by way of introduction. The condition of these seven churches is a sevenfold condition that was local, that goes right through to the end of the age. So that's important to get hold of. And uh, most expositors would agree with this, that they're local churches, but also representative. So uh, before we start on the chart I've given you, uh, this is uh, a sevenfold approach that is safe to take on the message to the seven churches. So uh, somewhere on one of your blank pages you can put this. All right, so number one, this uh, uh, sevenfold way of viewing the, uh, the seven churches here. Number one, first of all, we look at the local situation. There were actually seven local churches. No mistake about that. So we look at the thing locally, and in the text I've done, I've sort of gone through some of the history uh, on, the, on the local situation there. So locally, the number two, look at the uh, seven churches universally. And so, as I said, there were more than seven churches there, but the reason the head of the church picked these out, they sort of become seven uh, local representative churches of a uh, universal thing that would just go right through. And spiritually, we can look at the... Uh, whole thing today and see, well, some people belong to Ephesus, left their first love, some belong to Laodicea, the lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. Uh, nobody here like that, is there? <laughs> That's why you have this seminar. And so forth, some are uh, Smyrna, persecuted churches. We think of uh, different countries today and the persecution against the Christians. And then number three, another way of looking at these churches is typically, what a typical import in uh, in uh, nearly every letter there's some typical import. And number four, representatively, there were so chosen local churches, yet representative of a sevenfold condition that was to go right through to the end of the age, so representatively. Number five, the churches can be looked at dispensationally. Uh, some uh, exposes take it as uh, representing seven dispensations and that uh, we are way at the end of the age in a Laodicean period. And number six, uh, five and six would relate very much together. They can be viewed prophetically. And of course, number seven is the ultimate of everything. Uh, information without formation. So what's the practical application of each of these things? So uh, if you have six, one through uh, two, three, four, five, six without seven, then your teachings are failure. 
it's how can I personally apply it to my own life. So that's a seven-fold approach which I'm trying to breathe through. So locally, universally, typically, representatively, dispensationally, prophetically, and the element is personal. How can I apply uh, this practically to my own life? All right, now, in the chapters we're covering here, you've got this in your outline, uh, section two. So the seven churches that have been chosen is Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So local churches there, yet representative. All right, so that's what you've got on chapters two and three. All right, now you've got a lot of material here that uh, I'll try and uh, bring in some of the other aspects as you work through. So take this uh, sheet now, and I think it's best to work through this uh, here. We'll try and cover this here. So I think probably the best way to work this is we'll go the columns down. And so I've put 14, there are 16 in the text, but 14. So number one, the seven churches, local churches in Asia. Number two, scripture reference. Number three, the messenger. Uh, number four, the church name interpreted. Number five, uh, Christ type as judge. Uh, number six, the activities. Number seven, the commendation or praise. Uh, number eight, the condemnation or complaint. Uh, number nine, the admonition or exhortation. Uh, number ten, enemies within and without. Number 11, whether there was a call to repent. Number 12, a warning. And number 13, overcome a promise. And number 14, the call of the Spirit. So we'll, we'll work through Ephesus on those 14 points and then just take uh, one church at a time. So I'll try not to go too fast here, but for your fill in here. Okay, so working down Ephesus. Everybody with me? So we're just going to go down and work, uh, work through vertically. All right, number, number two here is scripture reference for Ephesus is Revelation chapter 2 and verses 1 to 7. So Revelation 2, 1 to 7. Come and tell me if I do go too fast because we've got a lot of material to cover and I need to do this in our next uh, couple of sessions. All right. The angel, yes, write to the messenger. I'd like you to put the word messenger. Some of the columns will be consistent all the way through, but the messenger... And as I understand the messenger, there's uh, different, uh, different uh, theories about this. Some say it was angel of churches. I personally believe the messenger represents the senior minister, whatever you call him, whether you call him senior pastor or the apostle of the church or whatever, I believe it represents the senior minister of the church. And of course, like if we have time to develop this, Ephesus had elders, and yet he writes to the church at Ephesus. When Paul goes to the church at Ephesus, he calls the elders together. And uh, so they were the messengers of the church. But I believe there was a senior minister or must be a bus driver or a pilot. Uh, otherwise, if everybody said, well, we're all eager, we're all going to drive the plane, I would never get on that plane. Would you? I'd like to know which direction they're going first. All right, number four, uh, the interpretation of the name of Ephesus. It has several, but I'm going to give you... And, and remember when the Lord writes to these churches, I said... They have a prophetic uh, touch on them, and so the, word, the, na the name Ephesus means uh, positive and negative. Beloved and desirable on the positive side. So just write in Chinese, Malay, or Bahasa, or in tongues, whatever. So on the positive side, Ephesus means beloved and desirable. And then on the negative side, 
Emphasis means to let go, to relax. And see what is happening here because each of these churches, their names have a prophetic significance. Ephesus, which was what he wanted because when Paul writes, Paul writes to Ephesus, the Ephesians. John writes to Ephesus, to the Ephesians. And what a contrast. You see, Ephesus, as we're going to find, has left its first love, not lost its first love, as lots of preachers say, left its first love. And the word love is used, I'll begin how many times in the epistle to the Ephesians, but here's the first church has let go, began to relax from its first love. So, to let go, to relax. Number, number five, Christ's title is judge. Now, it's interesting to note here, you can sort of, you know, have some extra paper here. Uh, from the vision in chapter one, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John takes a little part of all that description of Christ and applies it to each of the seven churches, basically. So those 14, that 14-fold glory of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ I gave you before, he takes just a little clause, a little phrase from that vision and gives a different part to each of the seven churches. So there's some significance there. How many believe the Bible is inspired? Amen. Amen. Three of us. How many believe the Bible is inspired? Amen. Well, ask you a question, answer me, or else. I'll give it a lane of hands. Put it down. Because I am talking to an intelligent congregation, aren't I? Yes. That's better. You can prove me to get that. Alright, so Christ's title is judge, if you can condense it, is he that has the seven stars and walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So if you can condense that, he has the seven stars, walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks or the lampstands. So he takes that title from Revelation 1. All the titles come from Revelation chapter 1. Alright? So he that has the seven stars walks in the midst of the seven lampstands. So the seven stars, seven lampstands. Number six, activities. Every church, and this could be repeated in each of the columns, he says, I know your works, I know your works. Now, I do need to say something on this because uh, I think there's a lot of confusion in the church today over the whole, whole uh, business here. So let's, uh, let's put it this way. Having, having done this... Uh, through the New Testament again. We've got to pick up this. All right, before the cross, uh, Hebrews 9.14, I have to go by memory on this, so you can put Hebrews 9.14, and also uh, Galatians chapter somewhere in a certain place. <laughs> it speaks of two type of works that have to be repented of, okay? Let's uh, pick this up here, repentance. So, it says that the, the blood of Jesus Christ is to cleanse us from dead works. Okay, so I want you to pick up this expression, dead works. Now, dead works fall into two categories, basically, as I've gone through this in the New Testament. Number one, we have works of the flesh. So, in Galatians chapter 5, I think it is, yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, we have the works of the flesh. 17 works of the flesh are listed there. Fornication, immorality, adultery, and so forth, witchcraft, whatever. All works of the flesh. And works of the flesh are basically committed by unregenerate. 
people who are not born again, unregenerate people, it's the works of the flesh. They have to be repented of. Number two, another category of dead works that have to be repented of are religious works. Religious works. And this is done by unregenerate religious people. So they go to church and like the Pharisee, he prayed with himself. The worst guy in the world to pray with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I fast, I tithe, I'm not like this publican, I'm a pretty good fellow. And so says all of me. Hooray. Uh, so, religious, but unregenerate. So, religious, but unregenerate. So, dead works. Religious works have to be repented of. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse uh, 5 through to 8 says, We are saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, neither the grace nor the faith. We are not saved by works. Okay, so works before the cross, whether they're works of the flesh or just good religious works, they have to be repented of. They are dead works. Why? Why are they called dead works? Because a person is dead in trespasses and sins. And as long as we're dead, uh, dead in trespasses and sins, we can only do dead works. Death only produces death. So they have to be repented of. So, before the cross, repentance from dead works, whether they're works of the flesh or religious works. So we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. Now, reaction to that is people say, oh well, doesn't matter what I do, I'm not saved by works. No, we've got to do this. We are not saved by works, but we are saved unto good works. And Paul's teaching is that we are not saved by works, before the cross the dead works, but we are saved un unto good works. And Jesus puts it this way, let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So people say, oh, that's all works. No, we are saved from dead works which we have to depend on, but we're saved unto good works. So, that, and then when you get to the book of Revelation chapter 20, and the Lord opens the book, everybody is just out of the book of their life, the book of works, the book of life, the book of works. So all our works, I mean, in, in, in our little history book, God's got the angels working over time for some of us, writing them up. So we've got to understand that. So there's a lot of confusion in the church about, oh, well, it's works, which we're not saved by works. doesn't matter what I do. Yes, it does. So works before the cross are dead works, but after we're saved, we are saved unto good works. So that's important to get that right from the start here. So I know your works. So on the activity number six, I know your works. So, what sort of works? And works, and he goes through the different works there. Alright, number seven, commendation. Commendation for the church of Ephesus is, I know your labor, patience, you hate evil, and you try those who are false apostles. So, four words you've got there. Labor, patience, or endurance, hatred of evil, and they were able to try false, uh, false apostles. So commendation, praise, four things there. Labor, patience, hating evil, and trying false apostles. So the local church must have had the power to test a true apostle or false apostle. 
So contrary to some teaching today that apostles are over the churches and apostles can walk in to any church and say, I'm an apostle, you submit or split. And generally they split. <laughs> now Paul only had authority in the churches over which he found them. He did not have authority in churches which he didn't found. Very important. Okay, number eight, condemnation of complaint. Very important here. Left your first love. Not lost it. Now, most preachers say lost the first love. If you've lost it, you may not know where you've lost it. But if you've left it, much more easier to remember. So left your first love. And as I said, you see, to let go, to relax, leave first love, that's what's happened. And, and, and the epistle of Ephesians that Paul wrote is the epistle of love. It's, it's used as a master key. All right, admonition or exhortation. Remember from where you've fallen. So it's possible to fall from first love. And do the first works. So works are involved here. So remember from where you've fallen, admonition, and do the first works. Alright, so remember from where you fall and do the first works. Am I doing? Alright? Not too fast? Right, both hands if you have to. Okay, the enemies within and without. Remember when Paul spoke to the elders of the church of Ephesus, he said, after my departure, he said, I warned you uh, that uh, uh, wolves from without will come in and seek to destroy the flock. And also of your own selves, that the elders would try and draw disciples out of themselves. So the problem is problems without and problems within. How many know that the grub inside the apple is worse than the grub outside the apple? Especially when you've eaten half the grub. <laughs> Alright, okay, so the enemies within were false apostles and Nicolaitanism. Nico meaning to conquer, so Nicolaitanism, a, a uh, clergy laity craft that was beginning to see itself right there in Ephesus. So false apostles and Nicolaitan, not nicotine. <laughs> That's from cigarettes. Nicolaitanism. All right, number 11. The 11th uh, thing we note here is Ephesus is called to repent. Now, I'll say it by way of anticipation. Five of the seven churches are called to repent. So, first church called to repent. So, repentance. And uh, years ago, I was in New Zealand at uh, some particular conference. A brother said to me, Kevin, why don't you stop preaching about repentance? Uh, repentance is a Jewish word. It's a, that, that's nothing to do with the church. I said, well, what's the word for the church? He said, the word for the church is only believe. I said, well, not according to the book of Revelation, because the last message that the Lord has for the church, five out of seven. And if you took that percentage-wise, and these are all Pentecostal churches. <laughs> <laughs> there was no Baptist, Presbyterian, United Church, Californian, Crossbred, come back. There were none of these other churches with all their high 57 variety names. They were all Pentecostal churches. Thank you, Kevin, for that very good point. <laughs> I know you hadn't thought of that before, have you? So, call to repentance, okay? Change your mind. First word of the gospel. Now, if you can scribble this in somewhere, it's very interesting to note that in Ephesus, so many firsts. Ephesus is the first, I mean, it was the first of the cities of Asia. It had left its first love. 
and the first word of the gospel is repentance. And uh, he said, do the first works. And the first promise to the first church has left his first love is the first thing that Adam and Eve lost when they sinned. And that was to be overcome as I'll give thee to the tree of life. So all the first, there's about ten of them. Go through it about midnight tonight before you go to sleep. Okay, so repentance. All right. Number twelve, there's a warning to this church. And what is the, uh, the warning? Removal of candlestick. And, and, and these are just facts. It's not only a long of the situation, but I go to different nations and there's churches that rise and fall because God just removes their candlesticks. Say, look, you haven't repented, you haven't got back to your first love, and it's all just, you know, the churches collapse. So churches are rising, churches are falling. In fact, I was just saying to, uh, last night we were having some fellowship, one of the worst articles I saw in the Melbourne Christian uh, newspaper, and the guy was not for it, it was entitled, 10 Ways How to Grow a Church Without God. That's the title of the article. I put it away so neat I can't find it. But no, he wasn't for it. But he said, 10 Ways How to Grow a Church Without God. And that's, that's the danger. What? Yeah. So, danger removing of candlestick. All right, overcome a promise. Tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So I've already said, so the tree of life. So the first thing Adam lost because he left his first love was the tree of life. So the tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God. So the first thing, leaving first love, called to the first word repentance, called to do the first works, first church there, first promise of the overcomer. So overcome a promise, tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God. Number 14, we have the call of the Spirit. I'm going to pick that up later on. But every church, and you can repeat this if you want to, uh, but we'll do it more fully in the first one. So hear the Spirit. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Plural. So, so though he's writing to individual churches, an individual church, it's, it, it's applicable to the seven churches. It says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Oh, well, that's to Ephesus. Oh, that's the Laodicea. That's to Philadelphia. No, to the churches. So though they're individual church letters, the message is to the churches. All right, uh, number... Oh, that's it there, isn't it? I had two others there, but I, I, don't want to, I don't want to be the little horn in the book of Daniel where are the saints of the Most High. Okay, number two, Smyrna. Am I doing all right? Honestly, am I going too fast? Okay, all right. Uh, okay, number two, Smyrna. And your passage there is Revelation chapter 2. Verses 8 to 11. So Revelation 2, verses 8 to 11. All right, as I said, there are certain, uh, certain things that you repeat. Okay, we have the messenger. So the letter is sent to the angelos, number 3. The messenger, you can just put the word, same word there. All right, number 4. The meaning of the, of the name Smyrna uh, is very interesting. It means anointing and myrrh. M-Y-R-R-H. So anointing and myrrh. And also sweet scent. So sweet scent. Like a nice scent, not, not, not B-O. Sweet scent. Johnson's baby powder, something like that. Okay? And that's very significant because this church is the suffering church. And so myrrh was used in relation to the crucifixion, suffering, anointed, 
Uh, Jesus said, the woman is anointed me for burial. And one of the gifts of the wise men was frankincense and myrrh, gold, frankincense and myrrh, prophetic of his sufferings on the cross. All right, Christ's title is judge number five. His title here taken from Revelation chapter one. I am the first and the last. I was dead and I'm alive again. And this is a very comforting title because this church is going through martyrdom and they're being killed for their testimony. So the comforting title of the Lord, first and last, and I was dead, but I'm alive again. So he's dead for three days and three nights, but he lives in the power of an endless life. So dead and is alive again. So first and last, and was dead in his life. Number six, again, I know your works. Every reference, every church. So if works don't matter, they do matter. Good works, or bad works, or works of the flesh, or religious, dead works, what are they? So I know your works. All right, number seven, the commendation or praise of this church is tribulation and poverty, and yet you're rich. So though, though it was a poor church, materially, it was a rich church spiritually. So tribulation, the three words you should have there is tribulation. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. But even though you're a poor church, you're really rich. You see, in contrast... Uh, when we get to Laodicea, Laodicea was a rich, poor church. <laughs> but Smyrna was a poor, rich church. Like Samson, he was a strong, weak man, but he was a weak, strong man. Okay, number eight. Now this is interesting. There is no condemnation or complaint against this church. Out of the seven churches, to have no condemnation, no complaint, nothing against them. Wow. And remember, you know, this is Jesus whose eyes is a flame of fire. You can't pull the wool over his eyes. <laughs> Even though he's got white wool and wig, you can't pull the wool over his eyes. Some of you will get that about midnight at night. <laughs> sort of feel the vibes the circles here. Because right. his eyes are flame of fire, penetrating, insight, perfection of sight and wisdom. Okay? So no condemnation complaint. Number nine, admonition. And the admonition, very appropriate to the time of what the church is going through historically. Fear not suffering and death and prison, but be faithful. So don't fear suffering, death and prison, but be faithful. So faithfulness. Faithful not until death, but faithful unto, not until. So I'll give up before I die. No, faithful right through. So uh, don't fear not suffering, death, and prison, but be faithful. So admonition, exhortation, faithfulness in suffering, death, and in prison. Number ten, the enemies that this church has to handle is the devil. And the, the Jews who are of the synagogue of Satan. Now, that's a pretty solemn word, and we haven't got time to sort of milk this thing at all. But the devil, he said, don't fear the devil. The devil will cast some of you into prison, but don't fear him. And then the other enemy uh, were the Jews of the synagogue of Satan. And when you go into some of the church history on this, you find that when the Christians in, in uh, Smyrna were uh, burned at the stake, that the Jews of the synagogue actually came and added wood to burn the Christians. 
because they're just hating it. So that's a pretty solemn thing. If Jesus was here today and said, I'd like you to go to the synagogue, say, which synagogue? The synagogue of Satan? How many know Jesus hadn't read that book, How to Win Jews and Influence Pharisees in Six Easy Lessons? <laughs> and two churches, he deals with this thing. Very real. More in that than meets the ear. Okay, number 11. Call to repentance. No call to repentance. There's a great church. And uh, I'm trying to be careful on this because, you know, but uh, I believe there are churches today who are spiritually and physically in the church of Smyrna. We think of the persecution and the thousands of Christians that have been slaughtered, our brothers, in different nations, as you know. Different nations I've been to. Yeah. Okay. Warning? None. No warning against this church. Everybody got none down? That didn't take a lot. Okay, overcome a promise. And this promise is very significant in what the church is going through. You will not be hurt of the second death. So though you're going through the first death, physical death, promise to you, I was dead, but I'm alive again forevermore. You will go through death, but don't worry about it. You won't be hurt of a second death. So don't fear. And it's like Jesus said, you know, uh, don't fear him. Don't fear him who's able to kill the body. That's the devil. But fear him, God, who's able to destroy both body and soul in Gehenna. So it's the same comforting promise here. So you won't be hurt of the second death. All right, tremendous promise. Now, what a contrast to the promise to Ephesus. Ephesus, they promised the tree of eternal life. And here they promised they won't be hurt of the second death. God promised Adam and Eve, if you touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. So death and they lost the tree of life because they ate the wrong tree. Here there's a progression in these promises here. So not hurt of the second death. On right, number 14, same call. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Churches, so those to the church at Smyrna, it's still the same word. So three words there, you should have, hear the Spirit. Have an ear to hear the Spirit. Okay, that's it. I've got two others here. All right, number three, everybody doing okay? Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, uh, the church at Pergamos. All right, Revelation chapter 2, so your scripture reference is Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. So Revelation 2, verse 12 to 17. So Jesus standing in front of the lampstand, he says, write to the messenger, number three. So same word, the messenger. Remember, Angelos is simply messenger. So the messenger. All right, now number four, the, uh, the, the, the interpretation of the name of this church is very interesting. There's a lot, but I'll try and condense it just to two or three. Uh, first of all, the word the Pergamos means marriage. Marriage, yeah, you know marriage? You know marriage? When you get married, you call her dear, then later on you call her expensive. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? That's why well, my good wife's not here. She, she, she is conferenced out. She said, I don't need any more conference now. I said, okay, you can stay home and use the credit cards. <laughs> All right, so marriage, or another, another designation or definition uh, of this name is married to worldly power. Wow, that's a good one. Pergamos, we're starting to get to the church, 
you know, just before the Middle Ages, married to worldly power. Okay, there's several other means, but I think that'll be enough to fit in that little box there. How many think this, uh, this chart of mine was a good idea? I lost hours of sleep in this week. <laughs> You'll lose hours of sleep this week. Okay. Alright, so marriage, married, and it's a picture of this church that was gradually getting away. You see, there's a progression here, prophetic, prophetic progression. It's uh, getting away from first love. It's, try, it's overcoming persecution now by becoming popular where the church and the world start to walk together. That's what's happening. And I'm sorry to say this, but it's a fact. A lot of churches today are so much like the world, you can't tell the difference. Worldly Christians. Uh, worldly music, worldly ideas, worldly philosophy. Uh, in fact, you wouldn't know except that they've added Christ to their bag but you wouldn't tell the difference between some Christians and some people in the world. Just some Christian people in the world are respectable sinners. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin, for that very good point. I feel <laughs> convicted. Oh, how many hear what I'm saying? The church and the world walking together. That's what's happening here. Okay, now, notice Christ's title to this church. Uh, to this church. Very challenging because of the sin that he has to deal with. So from chapter 1... The title is, He that has the sharp, two, the sharp sword with two edges. Okay? Sharp sword with two edges. Now you note the progression of the titles here. Ephesus, seven stars, seven lampstands. Smyrna, first and last, I was dead, I'm alive. But now, sword. Okay? The sword of his mouth. So he has the sharp sword with two edges. Alright, number six, again, I know your works. So worship at every church is held accountable for its works. That's the whole picture that we've got here. Alright, now the commendation or praise to this church. Two things he tells them to hold fast. So in spite of everything, he tells them to hold fast. Hold fast the faith and his name, even unto death. So hold fast the faith. The faith that was once delivered with the saints and the name, His name. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. Even unto martyrdom. So even in this church, there were still those who were faithful. You see, I might say this. In every church there was a condition basically to overcome. And you either overcome it or it overcomes you. So if I was in Ephesus, what's the thing I've got to overcome? I've got to overcome leaving my first love. Other Christians around me may leave their first love, or other Christians around me may be married to the world, but I've got to overcome that, not let it overcome me. I've got to be an overcomer in the midst of it. How many can say amen on that? You're allowed to say amen. It's perfectly scriptural. Okay. All right, so holding fast the faith, holding fast his name. All right, number eight. The condemnation or complaint, and this is very significant, and as I say, the more you know the Bible, the more you're going to understand these things. Okay, what's the condemnation complaint about this church? They have the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of Nicolaitans. Oh, so that which was begun in Ephesus has now crept into this church. So two false doctrines there, Balaam and Nicolaitanism. Balaamism and Nicolaitanism. 
and pardon the expression until I can find a better one, that both the doctrines were the doctrine of greasy grace. Once in grace, always in grace, even if I live in disgrace. <laughs> That's basic, basically what it was. I'm eternally secure, and I can never be unborn. So that's it. Yeah. Devoid of holiness. And you might like to add the two main sins there. Idolatry and immorality in that church. Oh, a Pentecostal church with idolatry and immorality? Yes. Doctrine of Balaam, doctrine of Nicolaitans, idolatry and, and, and uh, Balaamism. And you know, I mean, you hate to say these things, and I never think, never thought I would ever say it, but we've got to face it. Think in the, in the Western world of homosexual churches. And in Australia, how many of our demon nation, uh, de de denominations are there? <laughs> One little boy said to his dad, what abomination do we belong to, Dad? That's great insight, abomination, yeah. So we have demon nation, denominations in Australia endorsing and, and uh, ordaining homosexual ministers and lesbian ministers. I mean... One of them said, said, we're going to have a task force for a year to discuss whether we'll ordain them. I said, God's already got the task force. It's in here. He says, no. Thank you, Kevin, for that very good point. <laughs> all right, so, yeah, Pentecostal churches. But all forming the, the great harlot church. I'd like to be in the bride of Christ, without spot, without blemish, and a life of holiness. And they can say amen on that. Yeah, so... Doctrine, all right? Admonition and exhortation, zero. N-O-N-E, none. A big none. Notice no fault against uh, uh, Smyrna. But here, nothing to commend. Wow, I wouldn't like to belong to the Church of Pergamos. All right? Enemies without and within. Repeat the two, I'm giving you number eight. Balaamism and Nicolaitanism. So Baalamism, Nicolaitanism, the doctrine of these. And you'd have to go through the life, uh, a character study on Balaam, and do a little bit of research on uh, Nicolaitanism, uh, Nicholas, uh, conquering the people, conquering the laity, and those doctrines have crept into this church. All right, number 11, definitely call to repent. So church call to repent. So something has happened in Ephesus, that's now gone into Pergamos, both churches call to repent. Alright, the warning, number 12. What's the warning? Okay, I will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Wow, I mean Jesus, whose perfect love, this is the other side of Jesus. Jesus' perfect love, I'll fight against you with the sword of my mouth. He's writing to his church, sword of my mouth. And uh, if you want to, if you can fit the scene in, Eventually, Balaam, who seduced Israel into idolatry and immorality, eventually Balaam was slain with the sword of Israel. So God's saying, I'm going to do to you, who hold the doctrine of Baal, I'm going to do to you what Israel did with Balaam. They killed him with the sword. So here, Jesus, so you, if you don't repent of these doctrines and the practice of these evil things, I'll fight against you. Jesus fighting against the church. I mean, it's hard to comprehend, but that's it. All right, the overcomer promise. Look at the tremendous promise. This church, I mean, to overcome here. Uh, three things. Hidden manna and a white stone. Hidden manna and a white stone. And in the stone, a new name written in. So three things. Tremendous promise here. Hidden manna. 
and a white stone with a new name in it. So hidden manna, and, and, and see to fully comprehend these things, we need to go back to the manna that fell in the wilderness, and the only place that had the hidden manna was the Ark of the Covenant. The manna was hidden in the Ark of the Covenant. Any manna that they kept on the sixth day or any day, it got worms in it. Even though it came from God, it bred worms and stank. But the hidden manna was in the Ark of the Covenant, preserved by the glory of God in the Ark of the Covenant under His glory. Hidden manna. And see, may I say this, every promise basically here to these churches is the promise of eternal life, and they all are associated with the uh, most holy place and the Ark of the Covenant, ultimately. That's the picture. So hidden man and white stone with a new name. Okay, number 14, the same. Anybody here? Always to the individual. Anybody here? Anyone here have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church heirs, not to the church of Pergamos, only church heirs. Okay, let's try and do one more before we take a break. All right, number, number four, Thyatira. All right, number two, your scripture reference. Thyatira is Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 to 19. So Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 to 19. What did I say? 18 to 29. Thank you. I'm glad you're listening. Okay, messenger. Repeat again. Yes, write to the Angelos, the messenger. Okay, now this is an interesting one. No laughing aloud. This church, Cyrotia, means ruled by a woman. I said no laughing aloud. No, that's okay. Ruled by a woman. Uh, two or three I'd like to give you here. There's a number, but two or three. So ruled by a woman. Uh, the next uh, uh, name is uh, dominating female. Stop nudging your wife there, some of you guys. <laughs> dominating female. And then one other one I'll give you here. There's several, but one other one. Sacrifice of the mass. Okay, we start to get the picture. This is the middle church. So I'll say those three again. Ruled by a woman, dominated <coughs> female, sacrifice of the mass. Now, comment here. This is the middle church of the seven. And if you want to put the seed down, you can correspond the seven uh, parables of the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 13, with the seven churches. And in these seven parables, in the fourth parable, the middle parable, Jesus told the parable about a woman who took leaven and hid it in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. And when you go through the Bible on leaven, meal, and what this woman is doing, and the middle church means will by a woman. So the seven mystery parables of the kingdom, seven mystery churches here, middle one has a woman in it, and here she's putting false doctrine into this church too. So, how many... You'd really think the Bible was inspired, wouldn't you? <laughs> huh? Aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So, if this is the church of the Middle Ages, corresponding to the Middle Churches, and, uh, uh, and you know the dominant church that calls herself a woman, dominating female, and you know the church that has the mass. Wow. Okay, Christ Titus judge. Quickly. Right both hands. From Revelation chapter 1, the Son of God, eyes as a flame of fire, feet as fine brass. That's enough right there. Son of God, 
Not son of man now, son of God. Eyes as a flame of fire, penetrating, searching, inside, foresight, hindsight, perfection of sight. And feet as fine brass, because he must tread under sin, the brazen altar where sin was to be judged. So son of God, eyes as a flame of fire, and feet as fine brass. Number six, the same as before, I know your works. So every church is accountable for its works. Oh, works number seven. All right, four words I want you to pick up here. Love, service, faith, patience. Uh, five, five words and works again. So five words if you can fit in your little box there. Love, service, faith, patience, and works. So five words, uh, commendation. So right in, the, in all the churches, there's always those who overcome us. So love, service, faith, patience, works. Everybody got those five words? Okay, condemnation and complaint. All right, very similar to the previous church. Uh, in the church, there is a Jezebel, a false prophetess. So it, it links up with the name, ruled by a woman, dominating female, just as Jezebel was, and to do this properly, you would do a character study on Jezebel. Jezebelism. So, false prophetess, holding the Jezebel doctrine, and then the two major sins again, same as the previous church, is idolatry and immorality. So, the doctrine of Balaam, doctrine of Nicolaitism, doctrine of Jezebel, all the same doctrines. Immorality and idolatry. Idolatry always led to immorality and vice versa. Okay, so Jezebel doctrine, false prophetess, fornication, idolatry. Alright, admonition or exhortation. Hold fast what you have till I come. So hold fast what you have till I come. This is the first mention now of the second coming. In fact, the last four churches mentioned have some aspect of the coming. So first mention the second coming. So hold fast what you have till I come. Number 10, the enemies without and within, mainly the enemies within, the grub in the apple. Jezebelism, so Jezebel, and the depths of Satan. So the depths of Satan. So those who knew this doctrine, oh, we've got the deep things, but they were the depths of Satan, not the deep things of God. So Jezebelism, problem within. Number 11, call to repent. Yes, repent. So first word of the gospel, not only believe, but repentance. Change your mind towards God and sin and behavior. Okay, warning. Listen to the terrible warning to this church now. The warning is, if they, if they don't repent, cast into a bed of great tribulation. So, shouting something forth of the coming great tribulation, cast into a bed of great tribulation. You're with Jezebel, you're committing fornication, immorality, and idolatry. Well, your bed won't be a bed of lust, it'll be a bed of great tribulation. So, bed of great tribulation. Number 13, tremendous promise here. Twofold. A rod of iron. So to him that overcomes, I'll give the rod of iron, power over the nations, and the morning star. So threefold thing you should have there if you can squeeze it in. So rod of iron, 
power over the nations and the morning star. Looking forward to a new day. So right a line, power over the nations and the morning star. And the final one, and then we'll take a break, is save call, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Yes. So just keep reminding yourself of that they're written to a local church, yet the message is to the seven churches. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.